are joining us in the middle of a series called um, Mosaic, uh, which is about rethinking communities. So Chris has, has worked tirelessly on this, and I'll recap some of the things that he's been doing and, um, uh, and release that to you and understand it. But by all means, check out the podcasts, and, um, and there's loads more on there. Before I get started, though, let me just share something quickly. So, when I first became a Christian, I was incredibly enthusiastic. I was on fire for God. I had something dramatic just happen to me. I'd come from a place where I was really struggling in life to a place where I suddenly felt like I was accepted, loved, and I had a huge future before me. It was an incredible experience, and because of that, I really wanted to share that with other people. I wanted other people around me to experience that same passion, that same experience. And so I put a lot of effort and and, and try to engage a lot of people in conversation. Now, if you're anyone uh, and inclined or you've experienced that and you really wanted to share that, uh, share your faith with someone or uh, you know, pray for someone or even tell them that you're a Christian, you know how socially awkward that whole experience is. It's not easy, it's not pleasant, and uh, it's, it certainly comes up with some interesting stories. So one example, and I have loads of these really bad examples, um, but I, one example is when I was, uh, just became a Christian, I was working in a sales office, and uh, I was talking to a guy, and he was a, he was a Jewish guy. And I thought, this is brilliant. This is a great example, you know, because the Bible is all about written to people, you know, Jewish people that are encountering Jesus, and Jesus gives them incredible answers and wisdom. So I thought, this is going to be easy. I just get to share some of these stories. And, um, and so we got talking about the Sabbath, about resting in God's presence, and suddenly a story came to my mind. I thought, this is going to be amazing. So I'm going to, I'm going to tell him, I think, about this, this time where a sheep fell into a hole and on a time where, you know, it's a Sabbath, and usually you're not allowed to do anything on the Sabbath, but in this case, wouldn't you reach down and pick up that sheep to save that sheep's life? And as a, as a result of that, I was going to tell him about God's love and how the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, and introduce him not to just a God that demands things, but a God who really wants to find, help him find rest and peace and passion. It was going to be amazing. It really was. Uh, You don't believe me. I can tell from your faces. Um, It was going to be amazing. And so I started. And I said, uh, you know, what I was supposed to say, a sheep fell in a hole. And I started by saying, and a pig fell down a hole. I thought, no, that doesn't work. And I started to mullet over my head. And I thought, hold it, this isn't going to make any sense to him because he doesn't like pigs. Pigs are filthy animals. Oh, my God, what have I done? And and then he picked up on it. And he said, a pig? That's a filthy animal. I don't want anything to do with that. And suddenly I realized that my entire speech had just fallen apart before I'd even started, and it was a complete waste of time, and he went on to the next conversation, and I quickly, joyfully, became known as the weird Christian who doesn't even know anything about Christianity. Um, So, yeah, it was a a unique experience, I've got to say, and um, and I've got to say, I haven't actually, I'm a little bit better now, um, partly because I've I've learned that I'm not so good at debating, but really good at listening. And so I, I remember that as I interact with people nowadays. So the reason why I tell you that story is because I want to pose a question to us that I hope to answer through this talk and through the sermon. And at the end of it, I hope that we would have a different take on this question, a different answer to it. The question is this. Why, we, why do we make ourselves uncomfortable? Why do we put ourselves out there in order to be nice, to be different, in a world that on the face of it just doesn't seem to care? Why make ourselves uncomfortable to be nice, to be different, to a world that on the face of it just doesn't even, doesn't seem to care? 
You know, wouldn't life be easier if we just kind of kept to ourselves and, and um, you know, the church was the place that people could come into if they were interested about Jesus, interested about finding out more about faith and the, the church and all its wonder and all its glory and all the courses, the alpha courses and everything we do would be the place where they would be given the best information and, and really their lives would be transformed. But man, we going out there, that's a little bit uncomfortable. With that all in mind, let me just pray and we'll get started. Father, I just want to say quickly, Lord God, I just I love what Chris has been playing, praying for the last few weeks, that while I hope and pray that my talk today would be entertaining, it would be engaging, most of all, and if nothing else, then this importantly, Lord God, I pray and hope that it will be effective, that we would come away from here with softened hearts and opened eyes knowing a little bit more about you, but a little bit more about what you're calling us to do. Lord, would you work in this place? Work through me. I pray this on your, in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so Chris, as I said, has been working tirelessly over the last few weeks of trying to uh, build this picture of what community is. And so he's painted this picture of what community is and then talked about how we can live a community in order that we would come to take this community out onto the streets, out into the world around us. And today I'm going to help us transition from looking at the internal thing, our attitudes and behaviors and what we do in this place and take that out into the world around us. And so, before I do that, I want to recap all that Chris has done. It won't take too long, uh, and I'm stealing all his best bits, so it sounds quite good. Um, but let me, let me just do that. Chris started off by talking about how we live in a broken society. I don't think I need to convince or show or demonstrate that to any single person in this place. As we look around us, we see it's broken. Uh, we see crisis. We see difficulties. We see people struggling through life. But this doesn't have to be the end of the story. In fact, you know, actually a lot of the great revivals took place and birthed out of places and times of crisis. Someone recently said that crisis has always been a friend of the church because it's in those times that people reach out, desperately reach out. And as people reach out in desperation, if you've read the scriptures, anywhere in the scriptures, because it's all over the place, whenever anyone reaches out in desperation, God's, God, you get God's attention. He starts to hear, he starts to pay attention. He wants to know what's going on and he wants to do something. And a great quote as well was this, when desperation exceeds embarrassment, God answers. You know, I think we're living in desperate times where people are desperately wanting something, wanting something different in their life. They're crying out to God in desperation. And I believe, I honestly believe, and we're starting to see this in this place here and around in the world around us, we're starting to see that God is answering. These are exciting times. Let me give you a quick story as an example. So there's a guy called Peter Barnes, who leads the Stevenage Vineyard with his wife Anne, fantastic friends of us, and um, he was telling me the story. They do healing on the streets in Stevenage, and he was telling me the story. He said that, you know, they've been doing this for years, and they've seen lots of good things happen, and they pray for people, and um, every now and then, you know, like, like a few weeks ago, it was freezing cold, and they have a choice. They could have go home, or they can stay out, and he faithfully and obediently stayed out, and throughout the whole day, I think they pray for like three people, and one of the people that came he didn't, he didn't pray for them himself. He just saw what was happening. And he told me, he said that there was this lady that came, an elderly lady, and she was walking with her husband. 
And she had been in pain for about eight, 12 years, I can't remember exactly what. And uh, she'd been in such serious pain, like sciatica or something like that, that made it very difficult for her to walk, to do anything, go anywhere. It made it very difficult for her to stand up. And so here she was walking past, and she sees a sign hidden on the streets, and she says, I have to do that. My, her desperation exceeded her embarrassment. And her husband was walking with her and saying, I'm not, any, I'm not doing anything about that. If you want to go to that, I'm going, I'm off to the coffee shop. You know, I'll meet you afterwards. And she didn't cave to that. She said, okay, fine, I'll meet you afterwards. Her desperation exceeded her embarrassment. And so she came, and she sat down, and they prayed for her. And Peter, from across the way, was watching this, and after a few moments, she stood up. And a few moments later, she waved and moved and stretched her legs and twisted her back and everything else. And she bended her, you know, to her toes and all these other things. And a few seconds later, she couldn't do anything else but jump for joy. She was overwhelmed. She was jumping and jumping and laughing and crying. And as you can probably guess, you know, she was entirely healed. In fact, she said she came with uh, something else, but she didn't want to bother, that with, uh, you know, bother them with the other thing as well. But even that got healed as well. I and mean, it was an crazy, crazy and amazing experience of God hearing someone's desperation that exceeded their embarrassment and answering that prayer. How amazing. It's fantastic. And so... To help us uh, kind of put this in context, Chris has been talking from Colossians, and um, we're going to run through that from uh, chapter 3, verse 12 onwards. Now, before we get started, let me just say that every time that God gives a command in Scriptures, every time that God asks us to do something, He doesn't do it without first talking about what He has done for us. And so, in this case, you know, it's never get your act together and then maybe I'll love you. Maybe I'll do this for you. It's about I love you. I love you. And because of my warmth, because of my kindness, because of my grace to you, as a result, verse 12, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, it's based out of that, you have the ability to do anything. And in this case, it says clothe yourselves. In other words, you don't go around trying to be something. You put your clothes on. You try uh, every single day to, to just act something out and, and try something. In this case, it's talking about with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I mean, if you can imagine anyone with all of those attributes and met with them, you would love to be in their presence. You'd love to be around them. Verse 13, bear with, one, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Paul, is, Paul, the author, is under no mistake here. He knows that forgiveness is hard. And so he talks, forgive as the Lord forgave you. In other words, do as has been done to you. Verse 14, all, and over all of these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. In other words, bear with one another, forgive one another, love one another. And this is way more than just nice people being nicer or do-gooders being, doing more good. This is about building a community where forbearance, forgiveness, and love are at the core of what we do and who we are. They're the things that guide and direct us. And it's when those things are reciprocated, when you see those things happening in people around you, and you get to experience that yourself, that forgiveness, forbearance, love, when you get to experience that, this is a place you want to be. And as you get to do that to other people, this is a place where other people want to be. This is what we start talking about community. 
And when everyone does it, then everyone gets to experience it. As we act this way, we start to model a life in Christ that is radical, that is transforming, and that is even prophetic. And what I mean by that is, is we start to model, we start to paint a picture, we start to give a taste of what the kingdom of heaven would look like today in this place Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Jesus said that when we love one another, that people will look at us and know that we are his. We know we belong to him. All of this stuff which we've been talking about is our in-house teaching. This is about stuff that we do, stuff that we act, stuff that we experience. But it's more than that. When we start to do this, when people come in, they start to see this authentic nature of us, this love of which we share with one another. And as they start to see that, they start to appreciate, they start to see that we are people of compassion, that this is a place of peace, and they want to be part of it. People want to be part of something like that. In other words, as we model the kingdom of heaven, we create a safe place where people would want to come in from the chaos, from the crisis of their lives and come and be part of that. This is absolutely key. Next thing, and be thankful. I won't go into that just now because he repeats that a number of times in the next couple of verses. Verse 16, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. We often say in this church, come as you are, but don't stay as you are. In other words, whoever you are, wherever you've come from, whatever life experience you have, come. We welcome you. We open our arms to you. We want to invite you. We want you to be part of this. We want you to be part of this family. Come. You are welcome as you are, but don't stay as you are, please. Don't stay in that place where you're hurting yourself. Don't stay in that place where you're hurting others. Please help, let us help you. Let us help you change. And this is the key thing. As we have this heart that breaks for people, as we want to help people, we don't do it with a judgmental heart. We don't try and change people because we're not, we don't think they're good enough. We do it all the while with kindness, gentleness, and love, bearing in mind what God has already done to us and in us. That same love, that same grace that we receive, we reciprocate that, we demonstrate that to other people around us. And it's in that Communities in that experience that we start to grow together. Now that is what community is supposed to be like. And that's what Chris has been working on for the last few weeks in painting that picture for us and modeling that experience there as we model the kingdom of heaven to each other and to the world around us. Verse 17, which I'll unpack shortly. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So to summarize, Chris gave us four biases, four inclinations, four proclivities, if you will. And these were this, uh, which we do in community. A bias for God's word and for the gospel, that whatever we do, we do it out of this understanding and appreciation of the message that we uh, received and have experienced. Before we do anything else, we, do, we understand and appreciate what God has done for us. We do as a bias uh, to, for togetherness and accountability that we are seeking the best for one another in this place. It's not about us. It's not about what we can get. It's about what we as a family are able to do and able to grow into. A bias for worship that we are seeking God's presence above what we can get. 
A great quote was, was simply, we seek the face of God before we seek the hand of God. And today we'll be looking at a bias for action. The more than just keeping this as a message that we experience, that we get to have, and we get to be part of, we, we translate this, we take this out of our nice community here, and we take this out into the world around us. Okay, brilliant. So, unpacking it. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed... So as I said earlier, when I first became a Christian, I had this massive passion to share my faith with people. And as I did that, you know, I, I had lots of good and bad experiences, but I really wanted to show people a glimpse of God's goodness and God's love. But then as I started to do this more and more, I started to get disheartened. As I prayed for the sick and no loads of sick got healed, as I shared my faith with my friends and, and hoped that well, they would all come flooding into the church and experience God's grace, and hardly anyone came. As I spoke to my family and I thought they'd be in awe of my newfound lifestyle and attitude towards life, uh, I found they weren't particularly impressed. And so I started to get disheartened. I started to get discouraged. And then I realized that God's doing incredible things in this place. So I thought, okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll work on me. I'll work on my character. I'll work on my stuff. And I'll put my energy and effort into this place here. And so I, I ran courses and everything else. And my heart was that any single person that would walk through that door would experience God's love and would start to be transformed in that presence of God. And that's good. And that's, that's nothing wrong with that. But I didn't want to do that outside because that took a lot of effort. That was until a few weeks ago. So me and Tara live uh, not too far away from here, actually, in a block of flats. And many of you live near or in or, you know, these kind of things, or you've heard about these kind of flats, where you get people that you know, are kind of, they do drugs, they do drink or whatever, and, and um, they're, they're kind of working out their homelessness and trying to adjust to life in um, you know, not being homeless, really. And so you know, there's, these are nice people. These are great people that just come and they're just trying to do life. But when they come home from whatever it is they do, they close the door, lock it, and that's it. You don't see them. In other words, they've got this attitude that as long as they don't bother anyone else, no one's going to bother them. Simple. That was until uh, a local drug dealer decided to move upstairs. And, and I love these entrepreneurial types. You know, decided to set up a home business. Isn't that nice, isn't it? Yeah. Improving the community and all that. So... Um, he decided to do that, and in all fairness, I didn't really have interaction with him, and I did wonder, you know, how much I should reach out and how much I should engage with him in a conversation or whatever, um, but before I even got to that conclusion, I realized that it wasn't so much him, but the clients that he had coming to visit were, were causing a lot of stress. In one weekend, I had to call the police, police four times. Once was when Tara, um, Tara's bike got vandalized and another bike got stolen, but stressful, but okay. Another, there was a fight in the car park. Another time was when I was about to go out and I, um, I got to my car and there was this guy just kind of whittling a, a stick and making a sharp pointy end out of it. And I thought, that doesn't look right. And so I went up to him and I said, look, uh, yeah, excuse me, what are, you, what are you doing with the stick? And he said, look, in the nicest way possible, um, you, you never mind what I'm doing. You just watch your own stuff. I thought, okay, I'll call the police. And then, um, and then the fourth time was... Um, when we heard that people were stashing drugs in public parts of this, uh, this block of flats. And it started to get a lot of stress, started to just get overwhelmed and started to get on top of us. And we didn't really know what to do about it. And, you know, I, I took a lot of people's advice, which was don't get messed up. You only cause trouble on yourself. And so I sat in my flat and I was thinking, okay, what am I going to do? And I looked at my family and I thought, you know, 
I can't sit here and do nothing. But at the same time, I can't engage because these guys, I, these guys aren't safe. What can I do about this? And so in my mind, as many of you guys do, I'm sure, if not, then oh well, um, I, 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 I decided that, you know, I'm sorry, in my mind I thought, oh, if I got into a fight with them, I think I've seen enough kung fu movies to know what to do. I reckon I could win. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely sure. Yeah, that's going to be fine. And I thought, yeah, okay, I'll be good at this. But then I thought, okay, what happens when I leave the house? And my family are just left there by themselves. What do I do? And so it started to grate. It started to really start to affect me. And I didn't really know what to do about it. Anyway, one Sunday, we, uh, we left the house, locked the door, quickly ran into the car, and, and came to church. As we walked through those doors, people came up to us. They asked us how we were. When we told them, they comforted us. They cared for us. They loved us. They showed us kindness. They prayed for us. They gave us opportunities or offers to go and stay at other people's houses. They, they welcomed us. They loved us, and they really wanted to help us. And suddenly I realized that this is a safe place. This is a place that I could come and escape all that trouble. This is a place where I would want to be. And eventually I had to go home and face the rest of the stuff. Now fortunately, you know, we have a lot of calls to like uh, neighborhood officers and community officers and, and houses association. You know, the, the guy's been um, kindly moved on. And so, um, and so that's, you know, our block of flats again has returned to a little bit quieter. It's a little bit more under control. But you know what that got me thinking about was when, I was going, when we were going through that, we got to come here and we got to experience a safe place, a good place, a nice place, a place where we were loved and cared for and considered and a place where we were prayed for and, and we're given a taste of heaven, a taste of safeness, a safety. But you know what really bothered me was there was a whole bunch of people in that block of flats that didn't have that, that didn't have anywhere to go, that didn't have any alternative or any option. They had to just lock their doors I wondered what was going through their minds as they were doing that. If, did they feel safe? Did they feel like that was a good place? Of course not. Do you know what I think went through their mind? It was a desperation, a cry for help. Don't know who to, don't know what to, but a cry for help. Please, if there's a God, would you please help me? Would you please change things? Would you please change the world, the life that I'm living? Would you please reach out? And do you know what happens when desperation exceeds embarrassment? God answers. And this started to work in me. This started to excite me. And this is a real kicker. This is a real amazing thing. Is that God answers through you and me. Verse, uh, sorry, Matthew 10, verses 7 to 8. is a great verse. Verse 7. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. When you engage with the people like this, when you engage with people and talk to them, and then you find out they're living lives of chaos, of crisis, of difficulty, when they're struggling through life, you have a message that is amazing. You get to tell them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Okay, you look around, you see crisis, you see difficulties, you see struggles, but it's not all like that. Do you know, near to here, in fact, even here today, I'm telling you there's a different place, there's a different way of life, a place where people love you, a place where you're accepted, a place where you can come and receive. This kind of place exists, I promise you. And then this is the amazing thing, we don't just get to do it, or say it, so it's not just word, it's word or deed. 
It says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely as you have received, freely give. Whatever you have experienced, you get to share, you get to do. If you've experienced compassion, if you've experienced kindness, gentleness, patience, forbearance, forgiveness, love, peace, if you've experienced or even seen, as many of you have in this place here, if you've seen healing, deliverance, freedom, then freely as you have received, freely give. You are walking around with not just an experience of the kingdom of God inside of you, but the ability to share and create those safe places, that kingdom of God in the world around you. This is an incredible privilege. You know, we've been praying for a revival for quite some time here, and I've got to say, you know, it's time we woke up and realized that we are that revival. Here's a quick example. So uh, I was down the local co-op um, a few weeks ago, and uh, and. I was shopping, I had my iPod in, I wasn't really paying attention. But in, front of the queue, in the queue in front of me uh, was this girl carrying her child, two-year-old or so. And uh, I, she looked at me, I smiled back, and the little kid there is. And, uh, and, uh, and we kind of had a moment, you know. And we have a kid, uh, with Tara pregnant, and we're, we've got a kid on the way. You know, I, I talked to the girl, I said, you know, we're expecting our first child soon. This is, this is fantastic. And so we engaged in conversation. And then we got to the checkout, and she was a bit short on cash, so I, 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 quickly, I just said, look, look, don't worry about that, I'll just pay for that, it's not much. And she said, God bless. And I couldn't let that go. And so, so I was, come on, hurry up. And the guy was taking forever, I was trying to rush him. And so he finally finished, and I came out of the place, and I ran after her, probably freaked her out. Um, I ran after her, and I chased her down the road, and I said, oh, yeah, excuse me, don't worry, I'm not, I'm not after anything. Uh, but I, I've got to say, you said God bless. Now, I've, I've just got to ask the question, do you go to church or anything? And she says, no, I don't want to go to church. That organized religion, that's horrible. But I do believe in God. And as we were talking, she started telling me about, um, she said, I don't usually say this to people, but I, I've experienced this kind of shadow hanging over my bed. And, it's, you know, I tell them all my friends, but my friends don't believe me. I feel alone. I feel like this, yeah, this isn't a good place. And do you know what? I had an opportunity, a moment there to create a safe place, to extend the kingdom of God. I said, I believe you. I've experienced something like that. But you know what? This is good news. It doesn't have to stay that way. Here's how you pray. Here's how you do something. Here's how you escape from that. And do you know what? There's a kingdom. Uh, there's, a, there's an experience. There's a safe place that you can come to. That you can get away from that stuff. And you can come to a place where you will be loved, where you will be cared for, where you will be considered, where you would be special, where someone would come alongside of you and help you. And do you know what? She, she kindly allowed me to pray for her as well. It was really sweet. I laid a hand. It was an amazing prayer, but it wasn't an amazing prayer. But I laid a hand on one shoulder, and a two-year-old daughter laid a hand on the other shoulder. It was so sweet. And I prayed a quick prayer, and she was slightly distracted through it. But for a moment, for a brief moment, I managed to intersect that chaos of a life and extend the kingdom of God to reach out to demonstrate in word and deed that the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of heaven is near. Um, the next thing it emphasizes is that whatever we do, we do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. There is nothing wrong with being nice or being kind. There's nothing wrong with that at all. And a lot of the time that's a good thing for normal people. But you are not normal people, guys. You are sons and daughters of the living God. The Almighty God, you have so much more power and authority than you probably realize. 
If you, when you extend the kingdom of God, when you lead someone out of sin into light, when you undo the works of the enemy, you are entering into a war. Now, if you went to war, would you go with a glass of water and a bad joke, something nice? I hope not. Uh, please don't do that. Um, you would go with something much more powerful. You would go with the best weaponry that you can find. And you have an incredible arsenal at your hand. I was talking to, um, um, I was talking to someone the other day, uh, Anine, that, uh, she, she and her husband lead a life group here. And we were at a National Leaders Vineyard Conference, which is pretty much where I stole all this material from, actually. And um, she was telling me about this uh, conversation that she had with her daughter. And her daughter is quite a young girl. She, she said, look, Mama, I, want, I really want you to tell me a bedtime story every single night. And he was like, yeah, I can do that. And it has to be a real story. Okay, yeah, I, I experienced enough. I think I can do that. And it has to be a real story that shows and proves to me that Jesus is real. Oh, dear. <laughs> and suddenly, you know, this desperation exceeded her embarrassment. And she realized, uh, as she quickly ran out of stories that she had experienced over the years of being a Christian, that she needed to start creating stories. She needed to start doing things and taking it out. I'm sure, like you and you know, me and Aline, that you've quickly run out of stories. It's the, you know, you've got lots of stories, but they run out quickly. And we have to start creating. And suddenly out of that desperation exceeds our embarrassment for the sake of a child's faith, for the sake of sharing this faith with other people. We need to go and create stories. Now, as I said, we have authority and power. And God calls us to go out there, to push out there, to be more than just nice, to offer to pray for someone, to, to do something a little bit bolder, a little bit more courageous. Because when we do that, then we have the opportunity to glorify our God. This is an amazing opportunity. Let me give you a couple of um, uh, kind of examples. So supercharged with this idea, and just coming back from the co-op as well and having this experience, I thought, right, I have to do something. So uh, I said to Tara, we're going to have some breakfast, and then we're going to go to Starbucks, and we're just going to look for people to pray for. And so we pulled up. I had my massive hot chocolate. I love hot chocolate with a huge pile of cream on top. It was delicious. And I got slightly distracted for a few moments. But after I finished that, I, uh, I looked around, and I stared around the, uh, the Starbucks. We looked really freaky doing this, by the way. Um, as I just, hmm, who am I looking at? Hmm, who can I pray for? And, um, and it was really funny. And then Tara spotted someone coming up the stairs limping. We we're like, brilliant, we're going to pray for that woman. Fortunately, it was someone that comes to this church. So that was, that was quite an easy start. And we, she came up the stairs and we we're like, yes, it's you, this is easy. Quick, pull up a chair, let, let us pray for you. And we just laid a hand and prayed for her and, and, uh, and just asked God to heal her and bless her. And she felt blessed. It was a great experience. And then I followed a, a guy with a purple shirt around, but um, he escaped. And, um, and, then, and then we looked on the, uh, the other side. Um, frankly, they were sitting in our best seats, but, uh, the one we were on to seat at. But they caught our attention. It was a mother and a daughter. And you know, we, we start to get that feeling inside. We have to do something. We have to pray, even offer to pray. We have to try and extend an arm, extend the kingdom, extend a, a safe place, a, time of peace or grace, whatever it is, please just give us the opportunity to do this, God. 
And so they stood up, oh dear, um, and they walked towards us and on the way out, because we were sent by the exit, we were clever. Um, and, um, and, they, and as they were leaving the, uh, in the Starbucks, you know, we, we almost chickened out. And I thought, no, we can't do this. And I said, excuse me, do you mind if we pray for you? We're Christians, we really just want to pray and bless you. It doesn't really matter what, if it's physical healing, we know God heals. Please, and I just blurted out all these words. And, um, and do you know what she said? It wasn't, um, no, you're weird, I'll, I'll just go, thanks. Do you know what she said? She was like, yes, please. I was like, whoa, <laughs> that was enthusiastic. So I quickly grabbed the chair and sat around, swung down, asked them to sit down. I said, please, we'd love to pray for you. What do you want? Is there something physical we can pray for? Is there a relationship, job situation? Please, we'd just love to pray for anything. 20 seconds past, she still couldn't think of anything. I just said, please, you know, a family member or anything. It suddenly came to my mind. She said, oh, my dad. My dad is, uh, you know, he's, he's just had a bit of a heart, a stroke, a heart attack, and um, and he's got Alzheimer's. He's really struggling. I was like, brilliant. We'll pray for him. So we prayed and we blessed this woman. It was an amazing prayer. God really honoured that time, and we've really got, we had the opportunity to bless that woman, and that child. And then we got to pray for the father, and we prayed with such confidence and boldness that God was going to do something. I really do believe that God uses signs and wonders to bring people into the kingdom. I think you'll see so much more happen, so many more prayers answered when you do it to people that don't know God because they've got nothing to lose. But if they're willing, their desperation has exceeded their embarrassment. It is an incredible opportunity. And so we prayed and prayed and prayed. And, um, and then we left her and she said, well, thank you so much. That was a great experience. I really love the fact that you prayed for me. Thank you. And she says, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go and call my mom and find out how my dad is doing she was so blessed by that, just simple thing. Nothing amazing happened. But for a brief moment, we got to extend the kingdom. We got to show love. We got to show grace. We got to show peace and demonstrate what we experience on a weekly basis here. That is the amazing thing. Next part, giving thanks to God through, um, sorry, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It says to give thanks three times in, this, um, in these verses. And I honestly believe that we need to be a people that God looks at and says, these guys are grateful. We need to have an attitude of gratitude. I really believe that. But I think this verse is talking about so much more. I think this is talking about when we are thankful, when we reflect on what God has done for us first, we are doing exactly how this started. Therefore, as, God, as dearly beloved and God's children, Therefore, starting with what God has done for us, when we realize that God loves us first, freely we receive, freely we give. And that's, I think, is honestly the key behind this. Now, I'm not being um, anything other than a healthy boasting, but I think we have an incredible privilege in this church. We really do. I think we, we have it set up really well. I think we have things modeled and demonstrated incredibly well. And Vineyard has a huge heritage, huge history in pioneering this thing called power evangelism. This thing I'm talking about, this thing that you've probably heard of and maybe even experienced. Vineyard has a huge weight in this. This comes naturally to us. This is normal for us. And because you're around here, it comes normal for you. Um, I start to realize this as I speak to people from different churches and different backgrounds. And, um, and I, I love the opportunities I've had where I've been speaking at the uni. I'm saying that because there's a couple of uni guys here. Um, I love those opportunities. Because I get to demonstrate what it is for me to pray for people. 
And do you know what? It was amazing. A few, I can't remember, at the end of last year, we, uh, we were invited, me and uh, a couple of other guys, James and Jesse, on the discipleship year, my wife, Tara, we went and we, we spoke at the um, Christian Union. And then afterwards we got, and we had an opportunity, and we had some space and time to offer prayer. I loved that moment. Of the, all, there's so many people responded. So many people came forward and received you know, and I don't think it had anything to do with an amazing talk. I'm sure that it had loads of amazing speakers. Do you know what I think it had to do with? Was the fact that I do this, we do this every single week, this prayer thing. It's normal, it's natural for us. And all I did was confidently set up a place where people could respond. I loved that one of the guys came up to me afterwards and he said, you know, we've been praying for this experience for two years. I think God had been waiting for that opportunity for two years too. And all you need to do is create that opportunity, create that safe place, put it into action, extend the kingdom of God, and you will see incredible things happen. You'll see amazing things happen. As I said, you have incredible privilege of being here at the vineyard. That's kind of like, and you have to excuse the analogy, it's kind of like Karate Kid. Now, for the old school guys that are here, you know, it's that wax on, wax off, paint up, paint down. And uh, for the new, um, the, the kind of new guys, you know, the younger guys amongst us, you know, the put on your jacket, take off your jacket, all those things. But you know, he was given all this basic training that meant, you know, it seemed pointless and useless. But actually, when he went in, and got into a fight, he suddenly realised he was able to defend himself and fight. It was an amazing gift that he was been suddenly given. I honestly believe that as you come to church, you have that same training. So as you join a team. As you welcome people, as you do that really socially awkward thing of when you talk to people and you say, hi, how are you? How long have you been coming? We all had those conversations. As you do that thing, you're training in the technique of engaging someone in a conversation, showing interest, serving them. More so, as you come down and receive prayer, to my right, your left, at the end of the service, as you receive prayer, or even as you pray for people, as you go into 102 and learn how to pray for people, you are given the training, the technique, all that you need to know to pray people. Guys, you have learned and you know how to do all of these things. You do it here every Sunday. You can do it on the streets. It's really the same thing. You've been doing this for ages if you've been coming to this church. It's normal. It's natural for you. We start to put all these other thoughts and aspects behind it, but really, you do this every week. And now you get to do it every single day. You get to extend the kingdom. You get to do incredible things. Uh, time for one quick story, and uh, back to the uni story as well. I was there this Wednesday, and uh, I had a, a privilege of speaking. I was ill as well, and no one really wants me to pray for them at all. But... Um, but it was great, and I put this into practice. As people came close, uh, people came into the room, I got talking to them. I found out who they were. I engaged them in conversation, as you do every single Sunday when you welcome people. More so when they came in and they sat down, and I did the talk, and we were talking about redefining love, and, and, um, and then I, afterwards, again, we had space and time to pray for people. So I got people to stand up. Uh, if they were willing, I gave them an opt-out, and of the 20-odd people that were there, about 12 stood up. And you know, people started receiving. People started to engage with God. I asked and invite them to receive the Holy Spirit. Romans 5 is a great passage. If any of you ever want to do this in public, it just says that God's love has been poured out through the Holy Spirit. It's a simple promise. If you pray, can I pray for you to receive the Holy Spirit? You will experience God's love. It's so simple, but it's so powerful and so true. And I did that very thing. And I asked them to stand up and ask, I prayed for them. And as you could see around the room, people were engaging with the Holy Spirit. They're receiving God's love. 
They were experiencing this safe place. And I got chatting to a few people afterwards. One was a new Christian who had you know, just come to faith over Christmas or something uh, for an event at the uni. And, and, they, and this guy started to experience God's love in a way that he'd never experienced it before. There's so another Muslim guy there that actually started to receive the Holy Spirit. And there's also a girl that had come to university and she tried to be good and tried to read the Bible, but slowly walked away and got engaged in other things and distanced herself from church. And she thought God had given up on her. And this was her way. This is God's way of saying, I haven't given up on you. And God poured out his love onto her. And she experienced his kindness, his gentleness, because of that safe place that was created. It was an incredible moment. And we took that, and I ran down to the uh, cafe, and I thought, well, we have to do this more. And um, so we, uh, we, well, I was chatting to another guy, and then we, uh, me and Jesse, we were decided we were going to pray for people. So I got up and went across to this woman, and I said, look, we're really sorry, but I'm a Christian. Can I pray for you, please? I'd, lo- I'd love to do it. I'd love to bless you. Now, bear in mind, I was coughing all over her at the time, and I was asking to pray for healing. So she wasn't particularly keen. Uh, so she said no, which I totally understand. But there was a woman behind, and she said, well done. Just whispered it. I was like, oh, this is cool. So I went over to her, I thought, okay, I'll, I'll see what's going on here. And um, it turns out, I asked her where she was from and everything, and she said she, she was from Redding Vineyard. I was like, what are the chances of that? That's amazing. And even in that case, where it didn't work as I, I hoped and planned, I still felt encouraged. I still felt like I'd made a difference. I'd encouraged and transformed and created a place for someone's life. So um, I'm going to invite the band up, actually. We're going to draw to a close. I'm just going to finish up. Um, and before I pass out on stage, I've got no energy left. I'm really ill. Um, but let me just say a few final things. If you have kids, by the way, in the kids' rooms, uh, please head out there in the next couple of minutes because um, Kev will get angry at me otherwise. So revisit the question, okay? The question I asked before this, why make ourselves uncomfortable in order to be nice, to be different to a world that doesn't seem to care? The truth is there are people out there that are facing crisis, facing chaos, facing difficult situations. These are people that are desperately calling out to something, desperately crying out to God. And you know what happens when desperation exceeds embarrassment? God answers. You have this opportunity as you go around, as you speak to people, as you pray for people. You can extend this kingdom of God, this very same kingdom experience that you experience in this place. You get to take that out into the world. You get to transform people's lives. You get to see incredible things happen in word and deed. You get to heal the sick. You get to deliver people. You get to uh, raise people from the dead. No lie, you actually get to do this crazy stuff. You have power and authority way beyond your imagination, way beyond your realize. You have the opportunity not just to experience this on a Sunday morning, and we got five kids in the kids' rooms that were healed this morning um, just during the talk. I mean, that is incredible. But you don't get to experience this just on a Sunday. You get to experience this every single day of your lives, every single moment, every single opportunity. You get to pray for people and see the kingdom come. This is a privilege that you and I, as sons and daughters, get to experience. Would you stand and I'll pray. I love what a guy, Bruce McKinnon, said recently. He said, I don't do this because I'm a Christian and I feel like I should do it. I do it because I need to. Maybe you need to because there's a child's faith that depends on it. Maybe you need to because you love that rush. Maybe you need to because you want to see God work. It doesn't really matter. You have an incredible privilege. Father God, I want to say thank you so much for your presence. So much for your grace. So much for your goodness, your kindness, your forbearance, your forgiveness, your love. 
And I thank you so much, Lord God, that we each and individually have experienced that. And by all means, if, if there's anyone in this place that has not experienced that, please come forward to my right, your left, and we would love to pray for you. God, I thank you that we have experienced that individually. But Father, I also thank that you have called us to create this place where we get to experience that ongoing every single day. And Lord God, I thank you for the privilege that we get to take this out into a desperate, crying out world. A world in crisis. Because we know, Lord God, that in desperation, when it exceeds embarrassment, you will answer. Minister to us, pray for us, work through us. Come, Holy Spirit. Worship band are going to start singing in a second, but let me just say that we have a prayer team before the service that meets, and they ask God for words of knowledge. Now, these are not um, the end of these words of knowledge. These are just some of, uh, of the things that God wants to do in this place today. And so if any of these respond uh, or resonate with you, if you want to respond to them, if you just want prayer for whatever reason, you can go to my right, your left after the service, and someone would love to pray for you. And in addition, I'll be down in the front here. And if you want to come and have a chat with me about anything that I've said or uh, want prayer for anything, I'd love to do that as well. But these were the words that were given. Um, a woman with a problem with her left eye. It is damaged in some way. Let us pray for you. A man with an injury to his right shin bone, possibly through rugby. Uh, a child with an ear infection, glue ear, I'm not sure what that means. A woman with continuous heartburn. Someone between seven and nine, maybe a girl, with nerve in her tooth that has died through hitting her chin. Let us pray for you. A man with an ulcer. Somebody with uh, Crohn's disease. You know what that means. And, um, and, and someone put, thank you, Lord. There you go. If that refers to you and resonates with you, then come forward for prayer. But let's do worship first.